Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the late pick five from Gulfstream on Pegasus Day, Saturday, January 23rd. This is show number 104, January 22nd, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, are you excited about the Pegasus card tomorrow? I am. It's quite a card. It really is. Very challenging races in there. Some interesting long shots, some interesting favorites. Should be a fun discussion today on the pod. Yeah, I have a, I have one or two singles, so should be should be cool. But before we get to that, I would like to officially announce the start of our NHC qualifier on Sport of Kings. It begins February 6th and continues through the Breeders' Cup. Well... Um, that's always the big contest, and the obvious question is, for inquiring minds, what will the format be this year for that contest? Okay, well, it's a two-round contest, and there's a round one every month from February to October. The top 50 NEC Tour players each month will advance to round two, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. So if you think you can do well on Breeders' Cup weekend you need to enter this contest because round two is all 14 races on Breeders' Cup weekend. And with 450 players in the finals, NHC Tour points will go down to 45th place. And two NHC seats are on the line as well, right? Did I neglect to mention that there are two NHC seats? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I noticed you said, the top 50 i think last year it was the top 100 so it's a little more exclusive each month but you have more months um uh to take a shot at qualifying right that's right there'll actually be 450 people not 300 if i put 100 in each round then there would be 900 in the finals and that's like a little bit too much right that's a little overwhelming like how are you going to beat 900 people but you might be able to beat 450 or 449 well, I'm looking forward to that. That's always that's sort of in uh, the closest thing to the old PH, uh, the, the main contest on PH. Very similar. Just didn't have the cut lines back then. And the PH, it was just one long marathon contest where all your points accumulated over the entire six month period. So, I, yeah. I don't like the I like having the separate contest. You can have a you know a bad month. Uh, all you really need is one good month out of six to make it to the finals, and then you have a shot at at the the big prizes. And if you can have a good day over over Breeders' Cup weekend, that's right. Well, out of nine, there's actually nine rounds. Oh, nine. Months. Yeah. Okay. February through wow. October. So <laughs> now, if okay. you're not a member of the tour, you can. Well, first of all, you should be a member of the tour, and if you are not. You can sign up now at ntra.com for 50 bucks 
And that's going to give you an opportunity to participate in contests where 20 seats will be given away for free, not to mention paid contests if you choose to enter some of those. Uh, if you do sign up, use promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up to, to ensure we get credit. But if you're not a member of the tour and are in the top 50, you advance to the horse tourneys finals, which is the same Breeders' Cup weekend and, and results in like $500 in horse tourneys site credit. And there's some other prizes. But, um, so, yeah, I was going to say, if you qualify for the NAC and want to keep playing, you can keep playing and also qualify for the horse tourneys final as well. So you could, if you were really good and lucky that last, uh, on the Breeders' Cup weekend, you could win an NHC seat and uh, a prize on horse tourneys. So that would be pretty good. Yeah, and we had a number of people. I don't know how many people. But we had a number of people who were in both contests. Uh, we did have completely separate winners, uh, however, so um, that's just the way it worked out. I'll just say one other thing about joining the NAC Tour. Not only do you get those free contests, but you have a chance to – you could qualify for the NHC even if you don't win one of the qualifying contests along the way by accumulating tour points – um, which is a, a great way to get in. I think next year there'll be 75 people who will qualify um, by accumulating the, the, the most tour points. Uh, you can't, it, that's for the people who, who didn't already win a spot. If you haven't won a spot and you're in the top 75 in terms of tour points, then you get a, an NHC seat that way. And that's a way where if you're sort of consistent, you're not the kind of person that typically is going to win a contest. Um, the, but you you feel like there's a lot of times where on a good day you can finish in the top five or ten. You have you know four or five of those finishes, and then you can actually get to the NHC without ever having won an NHC seat outright. So that's another thing to keep in mind. And since the tour, I think, kicks off here shortly, um, you know, you'll have the whole entire year to accumulate points. So if you if you're really interested in possibly going to the NHC and you're thinking about joining the tour, you should do it right now, um, where you, you be able to participate in all the free contests and accumulate tour points over the entire year. So that's definitely the way to go if, if that's something that interests you. Yeah, there are, with the NHC tour, there are many ways to win, many ways to qualify to the NHC in Vegas. Now, I do want to just mention, because we had uh, the the public handicapper was like one long six month contest. We're going to have sort of an umbrella contest so that um, people who qualify early have an incentive to keep on playing. And it's going to be called the trails end contest. It's our homage to Oakland's one and three quarter mile meet ending race. The winner of that contest, and that's a, a, a series of every month, right from February to October. If you do well, if you do better than anybody else for nine months, weekend after weekend after weekend, you deserve a trophy and you are going to win a trophy proclaiming or he or she is going to win a trophy proclaiming them America's finest handicapper. And the top 20 get ties or for the Phillies, either a scarf or a pennant haven't decided yet. So uh, you can go to sportofkings.net right now, register, sign up for that NHC qualifier. If you're already registered, all you have to do is hit enter. And you want that because we'll send reminder emails if you forget to make picks. That's fun. So that, that's keeping a, around the old, a little bit of the old uh, public handicapper flavor. 
Yeah, at Turf Paradise used to have a, a, a meet ending marathon race called the Hosta La Vista. So I like Trails End as well. But I mean, it's some, I think even, I think Santa Anita or Hollywood Park used to have their, their, uh, another a marathon in their meet too on the turf. But anyways, it seems to be like, uh, uh, standard practice among some of the tracks to have some really long race to, to cap things off. So I like having a really long contest to cap things off on Sport of Kings. Yeah. And just for the people that are really into it, um, you know, if you do better than everybody else over nine months, you know, you deserve a little something. So yeah. Keep, I mean, it really track does. Of it. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, that's the one thing I really liked about the old public handicapper contest is you had to be good over an extended period of time. You couldn't just get lucky with a, a couple of long shots. You really had to um, have a sustained period of good performance. So I, I like that. So, and th you don't want that to be the only contest probably. I mean, I, mean, I love now on Sport of Kings, there's so many other options to play, but it's nice to have one of those in the background, just sort of keeping score over, throughout the entire year and rewarding the person who kind of does the best over the long haul. All right. Speaking of a person who's done the best over the long haul, we have a special returning guest. He won the NHC and an Eclipse Award in 2017. He finished third in the NHC last year, 2020, giving him the best two finishes in NHC history. He's Ray Arsenal. Ray, welcome back to the Sport of Kings. Thank you very much, Scott. Chris, thank, glad to be back on. And uh, hopefully we can uh, give some winners to the people out there listening. So looking forward to it. How do you feel about the card? I know you've been handicapping since at least last night and since early this morning. Uh, you feeling good? You feeling like you got a shot in this contest? Yeah, I feel uh, that it's, it's, it's a really good card. It almost reminds me of like a a breeder's cup, uh, day card where, uh, you know, you, you've got most of the, the races are stake races and, uh, you know, full side fields and there looks like there can be some value out there. So yeah, I'm hoping, uh, that, uh, I come up with some winners and, uh, my big problem playing these, uh, live money is, uh, betting them. So I'm hoping that, uh, I'll, uh, find my horse and make sure I capitalize on them and actually bet on the horse that you find. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scott, you might look Ray. Maybe you can tell that story you were, we were talking about before we went on about your, uh, little mishap in the Pegasus last year. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something I, uh, I couldn't uh, live with myself after <laughs> After the two races, it was uh, actually a couple of horses I gave out on the pod. Pink it Sands was one, was one of mean, them. Yeah, Pink Sands and Mean Mary. So I'm all keyed up. I, I, these are my horses. And I, I don't know. I, I Mean Mary was the four horse. Pink Sands was the eight. And I get to the window and I don't know, whatever, whatever. For the life of me, I still don't know. But I, I keyed in, uh, I think I played like a $200 double 6-8. And, uh, and I, I, I didn't even realize it until after the race, I said to my buddy Lauren, I said, hey, I'm alive. And he said, yeah, 
He says, you gave me that off the pod. And he, he actually had a $500 double. So I wasn't too upset because, uh, Lauren and I and Alan, we were, we partner up, uh, quite a bit over the years. So that kind of helped a bit, but I was still kicking my ass for, for not, uh, betting the right number. And sure enough, uh, after me and Mary won, uh, pink sands came rolling on the outside and went easy. And, uh, I missed out on, uh, probably five, five or 6,000. I would have got back. So that pretty well did me in for the day, but, uh, I just, uh, did a lot of cheer cheerleading for Lauren. So, and he finished up. Okay. We, uh, we couldn't hit nothing late. We should have listened to Scott. Uh, but I'll, that's another story for later. <laughs> that, and, uh, that was the Zulu Alpha, right? Yeah, the Zulu Alpha race. Yeah, between you and Mike Welsh, that uh, was another one I kicked my uh, butt for not uh, playing. So. Yeah, and I had. But yeah, you know, you do these and, things. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah, and just shows. I, I was just to say, I I had picked Mucho Gusto on the pod, so I think we like between the three of us had all those horses at the in the late races that day. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, but that just shows that even uh, an NHC champ can make a mistake. So as Tommy Massis <laughs> said um, in a pick five piece I wrote where I interviewed him, um, make sure you always check your tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you think you'd learn, you know, after uh, 30, 40 years playing this game, you know, but there's like John Conti said. 500 ways to lose and only one way to win. And I think it's more than 500 now. I think it's up to around 525. So. <laughs> it's, no, it's infinite. It's, There's it's always unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We keep finding them. Well, so. yes. Let's see if we can find some ways to win this pick five. It starts with the eighth race. It's uh, the La Prebuante stakes, grade three, mile and a half on turf. So we have two mile and a half turf races, one mile and three sixteenths. It's uh, pretty exciting. The purse for this one is one hundred twenty-five thousand for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. And Ray J, you go, you lead us off here. Okay, well, I I, I do put a lot of my time putting notes together, so uh, I'll be just pretty well. I've gone over all the races, real. Thorough, and uh, the, these are what I've come up with. And this pick five sequence of races is probably one of the toughest I've seen in a long time. I will be looking for partners at the track tomorrow. So if anybody wants to help uh, go in on this ticket, uh, you're welcome. Uh, spread is the theme here. Uh, a mile and a half on the turf, not your normal daily distance. My top pick would be number one, always shopping. Pletcher, who is on fire at the meet, along with Red Hot Irad, and the way this horse won his last race off the layoff makes her a serious contender. <laughs> I did start off by saying spread was a theme today, but this could be a single in the pick five. I don't usually tote favorites, but this one looks real good. As my nature is to always try to beat the favorite, I will be adding a few price horses to my ticket. And that uh, would be my top choice, uh, always shopping, number one. But you can come back to me after you've done yours.
All right, Scott. Uh, Scott might have went on mute. <laughs> or yeah, I, I thought you guys hung up on me. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to myself. Sorry about that. I, I did go on mute. I did go on mute, and I, I segued so perfectly. I said, always, always shopping has found a new home on turf. Chris, what did you think? That's what I said. <laughs> and then I heard, Scott? <laughs> uh, no worries. We, we, we got to have some little glitch somewhere on the show, so that's a little one we got out of the way early. Uh, always shopping. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fletcher has been on fire. I mean, you look at his horses, and they're all they all just jumped up when they got to Florida. It's interesting. I mean, he's done this before, but this year is probably about as hot as he's been. They're not just winning, they're like running career best races almost every one of them when they when they made their first start back at the track. And always shopping's one of those horses. But you know, prior to that last race, none of her races stand out in here. So I'm kinda like what Ray said initially, you know, this race is wide open. Now, if always shopping runs back to her race, she just ran, she'll win. And, you know, with Irad from the rail, she's probably going to get in tactical speed. She's going to get a good trip. Um, but there's nothing that guaranteeing that she will. And if she doesn't, then it's, you know, completely wide open. And I get maybe singling her and, you know, hoping she does run back. That's one way to go. Um, but boy, you could maybe get a big price in this race because the other two favorites, the seven heavenly curling and the, the 11 traipsing, you know, they're, they're not any better than any of the other horses in the race. So to me, you look for a long shot. The problem is it's so wide open. It's kind of like a spread race, but I, I did find one horse that I think is maybe the most interesting that'll be a, a real good price i think and that's the five horse lovely lucky and the thing i really like about this horse is she really got good her first really good race was her first race at a long distance she went a mile and three eighths and and won by six links and just you know ran a by far her best race of her life and she's by looking at lucky who i think of U.S. U.S. studs, he's the best, you know, marathon kind of uh, stallion. His horses all get better as they get older. They all get better as they go longer. And the broodmare sire for Lovely Lucky is Dynaformer, who's the same kind of horse as a broodmare sire. You know, those horses tend to run better at longer and as they get older. So this horse is really going to get the distance. Uh, other than always shopping, she's as fast as any on her best, especially at the distance, and still has a lot of upside, I think. So a good post, good rider, has some tactical speed, should get a good trip. Um, you know, if always shopping doesn't run back to that last race, there's no reason why Lovely Lucky couldn't be the winner, and you'll probably get at least a double-digit odds that she is on the morning line. So for my pod pick would be the five Lovely Lucky. Ooh, I like that. I like that pick a lot. And, um, you know, the, the big number that she ran that first time going long, all she has to do is improve a little bit on that. And that was over six months ago. I, uh, I feel a little bad now that I thought I was going to single always shopping. <laughs> and uh, so Ray, Ray also saying that plus looking at the sport of King's odds, for the Pegasus finals tomorrow, always shopping is the two to one favorite. So, 
So now I'm thinking, well, I don't know. That's, I mean, so singling the favorite in the first leg, especially in a 12 horse field, I probably won't do that. I'll, I'll, I'll look, I'll look at other places. So for example, always shopping hadn't run as fast as lovely lucky before her last race. And, you know, maybe that was just a monster race, a monster race that's going to set her back. Um, so I'm not, I don't have any other prepared long shot because I was in a hurry this morning. So I was like, okay, always shopping single. Um, but just to, you know, state the case for her, she has found a new home on turf. She gets a good post. She has tactical speed. She's two for three at the track. One second at the distance. She's also, um, I guess, two for three uh, uh, on turf. And uh, the one second at the distance, she was trying to catch a leader on a speed bias track. So certainly if she's not a single, she's a use. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, just one thing on the sport of King Odds, you and I know this well from the public handicapper days. Any Todd Pletcher horse just gets wildly overplayed on sport of kings. It's really weird, but um, you know, you usually get a little better odds at post time than you get on sport of kings. For some reason, Todd Pletcher is just a real favorite on on the uh, the picks. Don't you agree with that, Scott? Yeah, except I'd like to think that they're because this is the finals, so these are uh, you know rugged veteran tourney players. That I'd like to think that maybe they're you know they're gonna they're not gonna be playing the chalk. That those odds will drift up. Maybe the early you know the early odds on PH especially that was the key because a lot of people, if you're making picks already by 11 a.m. on a Friday for a Saturday race, there's a good chance that you just went through and just banged out the picks without handicapping just so you could, in case you, uh, in case you forget to make picks. So, so I would expect those odds to drift up at least on the sport of Kings. Yeah, that's a good point that this is a race where uh, the, the contest that you're looking the, at the odds on, you had to make the cut. So these are maybe like the better players, um, not just the average player. So that's another, that's a good point. So maybe that bias towards Pletcher isn't as great in that contest. That's a good point. Ray J, you said you had a couple other uses. I'd be interested to hear. Yeah. Cause uh, like I say, I don't normally play favorites to single. And uh, uh, my second choice is exactly what uh, Chris uh, uh, his top choice, Lovely Lucky. He's 10 to 1 morning line. He's a lightly raced and comes off a short layoff, having run in two tough stakes in New York against the same horse and ran competitive. And comes comes into this off two those 290 buyers, like Chris said, would, uh, would destroy this field. Uh, would not destroy the field, but uh, would make it a top play. Another horse that uh, I was looking at, uh, because uh, I'm going to be spreading, is uh, the two horse. He's come from the barn of Ben Colebrook, 12 the mor one morning line, comes That's off a dead sister heat win at a mile over. Yeah, sister Hanan, sorry. Comes off a dead heat win at a mile over this course. I think this horse should be uh, able to get the distance. And the Sire Orb won the mile and a quarter Kentucky Derby. So, you know, uh, distance shouldn't be a problem uh, for this horse. And uh, 
you know, probably right after this race, this horse will probably be in Brad Cox's barn. <laughs> he's take, he's taken everything from Ben Colebrook and, uh, He's, uh, I love Ben Colbrook as a trainer right from back when at uh, Keeneland, but uh, this guy uh, sure turned some of these horses around, as we'll find out in the Pegasus uh, uh, dirt race later. And uh, and one other horse uh, I'll mention is the 12, Court Return. He ran some good races up at Woodbine, and I think that last race was a prep for this race. They gave this horse a month off, from November 16th to a December 11th, and then just came back with a, an easy breeze before the race. Since that race, she has come back to have three good workouts. The only issue with this is the post, the 12 post. But going a mile and a half, she should be able to get herself in position. And uh, that would be uh, probably the top four horses that I will use in the pick five. And one other thing, just a uh, shout out, uh, if, you, if you don't mind, when you guys are talking about your uh, 600 people competing tomorrow in the Pegasus, is that the winner I read the other day, uh, Dennis Klein, is uh, one of our uh, players that sits at the table for the last many years at uh, the NHC. He's a Canadian from Edmonton and a great, great guy, and his uh, family, his brother, father they're all great handicappers too so oh yeah i was i was wondering about that you know i hadn't heard of him and um and then i saw he was in alberta which is you know no man's land up there at least uh, <laughs> yep. at least it seems like that from here and uh, i was i was wondering it's interesting that he's uh you know um, had you have a connection with him i i i didn't know that he was a regular nac guy yeah, yeah. I met actually my first time at the Orleans, uh, oh, I guess back 2006 or whatever. I'm standing in line uh, waiting to uh, get my entry, buy my entry, and fellow in front of me, we started talking, and it was uh, his brother Bob. And uh, we started talking, and uh, we kind of sat together that weekend, and uh, then I started going, and uh, his father was amazing handicapper uh and uh and then i met the whole family we became good friends and like i say now dennis uh and if he brings uh his brothers uh, one of his brothers uh he'll they'll sit with us at the table and uh he's a really sharp handicapper and another thing he's on the bubble for uh, getting his seat but i think he's got enough points uh to to get a seat for this year coming up so We'll finish off our table uh, as soon as he gets uh, in with points or if he can win it this weekend. Okay. Now, I haven't watched any uh, replays of these. I, I did watch the replay for Always Shopping. She looked really impressive. I haven't looked at any other replays, but I will mention a, another horse that just kind of interests me on the numbers, and that's the 8 Delta's Kingdom. You know, steady, steady, steady improvement and ran a pretty good number in her last race and has been working out well before and after that race and um, could get a nice little trip, good, a nice stocking trip. So, uh, so I might, uh, might, I feel, I feel bad, you know, uh, singling, uh, always shopping in this race. So, so I, I might use Delta's kingdom and go too deep. 
Yeah, that's probably the other horse I like the most is Delta's Kingdom, just for all the reasons you said. Maybe the third horse, if you're spreading in here, that, that I like is one I've chased a little bit, and that's the Nine Cape DeCroix. But um, Pletcher has been doing really well, and I think this horse has been training with Always Shopping. So the fact that he's she's been training with Always Shopping for Pletcher and he thinks she's doing well enough to run her in this race. You know, she I don't know if she's a win bet, but I think she may get overlooked and and she's pretty consistent and she's in, at Gulfstream for Pletcher. So, you know, I think one you might want to include as well. Okay, I think we've uh, hashed that one out. So let's move to the next race. It's the ninth. It's the inside information. Grade two, seven furlongs under, 200,000 for Phillies mares, four-year-olds and up. Chris, what did you think here? That's uh, a pretty competitive race. I didn't have a strong opinion in here. The pace doesn't seem to be a whole lot on the front end, so that probably will help the horses that want to be forwardly placed like the two Cinnabunny or the the six Pacific Gale. Um, but to me, the three horse Bronx Beauty is probably about as, as good as any of these in here. Uh, I played her last time. She was a little unlucky. She just missed chasing down a loose leader um, and ended up finishing second in that race. And she beat the favorite in here, Cinnabunny, who did have a little trouble at the start, probably didn't have the best of trips and might get a good setup in here because there isn't that the speed that there was in that last race. So, you know, Cinnabunny will be tough, but I think Bronx Beauty, if you get the eight to one, there's no reason why she couldn't win. I'm not super excited about that. I just think it's pretty good value at the morning line. Um, but there's, you can make a case for many others in here and I'm sure Ray and uh, Scott will probably do that. But for me, probably from a morning line value standpoint, I like the three Bronx Beauty. Bronx Beauty trained by a guy who knows how to hit with a long shot. Ray, what did you think here? Well, I agree with uh, Chris on this, this race itself. To me, this race seemed like one of the toughest to figure. Any one of these can get the job done, I thought. As you can see by the morning line, odds uh there's only one horse that's uh double digits so this looks like uh the best for competitive race of the day and uh <clears throat> but the thing is i think a lot of these horses here would probably prefer a six furlong distance this seven i know it's a one turn uh gulfstream with seven furlongs but uh i just looking over these horses a lot of them i know uh, the three, but he's over five at the distance. The two's run there. Uh, he hasn't won there. So, anyways, what I've uh, come up with was I've actually come up with a top co pick, or uh, I have two horses that I uh, actually like. So, the first one uh, is number four, This My Time. I think he's going to be the controlling, controlling speed here. And her last two 90 plus buyers puts her well above these. I know most of her wins have come against state breads, but that last race was open company that she faces today. Loves the track and the distance. So I give her a big shot. And the other is number one, Dream Marie, five to one morning line. 
she has stepped up her game the last two races. The owner and the owners and trainers thought a lot of this horse when she was uh, a three-year-old. They thought she was going to be a good one, and they pointed her uh, to the Kentucky Oaks, which she did run in, but didn't run very well. And uh, I think now uh, she comes back as a four-year-old and is showing four good workouts, workouts since that last race with a bullet on January 9th albeit at uh, Gulfstream Park West, which uh, she destroyed the field there on the slot. Uh, she likes uh, the Gulfstream track and has won at today's distance. Uh, those would be uh, my co-picks. Okay. Well, I'm actually rolling with the longest shot in this race, and that is Piedi Bianchi. She's back on the dirt where she belongs. The last race on turf just elevates her price. Uh, she had two big wins on dirt in her last four races. One of them was a route, so the distance shouldn't be an issue. Uh, I like the cutback, especially against horses that have not won at seven furlongs. And uh, she worked her best in years going into the last turf race, but it didn't matter because it was on turf, which she doesn't like. She's now over, over three on the turf. So that's my, my number one pick. And then I also kind of like Pacific Gale. She's winless in two years, but she's circling back to her top race. Her worst have picked up since the last race. And she's a must-use. And then I will also, the fear of Brad Cox, I would I would use Cinnabunny. Uh, it's second time Brad Cox. And often, as we learned with Secret Message last week, sometimes it takes him uh, one or two races to work his magic. Yeah, Cinnabunny had uh, some excuses in that last race, and P PD Bianchi, I picked her on the turf last time, um, and so I definitely think, uh, if you look at the last time she went from a turf route to a dirt sprint, she ran the best race of her life, so she's doing that again, um, and like Ray said, it's a seven furlong race, which should play uh, in her favor. I'm not sure she's quite good enough, but I think she'll run well and you definitely get rewarded at the window. So I, I like that play. The only other horse I would I'd mention, I, I kind of agree with what Ray said about this is my time. Um, is Sally's curling has been disappointing and I hate playing Dale Roman horses outside of Kentucky, but this horse ran you know, the best race of her life at Gulfstream Park going seven furlongs and this race is at Gulfstream Park going seven furlongs so I and I don't know how they're going to bet this horse they tend they're all over the place when it comes to betting this horse but I can see how you know it's been a while since she's won and her last two have been you know really she's been beaten by a lot she might get overlooked and I tell you her last race at the distance on the on the at the track was pretty impressive. So if she runs back to that, she'll, she'll blow these horses away. I think don't know if she will, but um, I'm going to watch the odds board on that one. I, I typically don't play Dale's Dale Roman horses at Gulfstream, but this is one I'll, I'll just watch and see because if I'll probably include her, if I play the pick five and I'll be watching the odds board, because if she does float up um, like at eight to one or something, I could see betting her. 
Now there are only 177 picks on Sport of Kings, but Sally's Curlin, four to one. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> probably not yeah. going to be playing her. Yeah, if she gets bet to four to one, definitely not a play. That's a, that's interesting. I think she's definitely yeah. the class. I think if she ever runs yeah. back to that race, like you say, Chris. You know, I think I thought the three, five, and the seven or the older mares are the classier. They've made uh, you know good money in their life, but uh, uh, to me, this is an all hit the all button on a pick five. But this pick five could be very costly uh, with alls. I'd probably use the one <laughs> and four on uh, my main ticket. And if I was to single the one in the first leg, I would probably do an all here. But uh, that's, that's what I, it just looks like such a tough race to me. Yeah, the good news about if you want to go all in this race is there won't be a six to five shot, I don't think, in this field, right? I mean, the morning line starts at three to one, and there's a whole bunch of horses like between three to one and eight to one. So it's not like you'll get stuck uh, with the you know four to five winner if you spread in here. At least that that's what you don't want to do is spread out, you know, play all in a race where there's a four to five shot that has a good chance of winning because then you just waste all your money if the horse wins, at least in this case, oh, sure. you know, I don't think, think there's going to be an odds on horse. You never know, but, uh, what are the public handicapper odds? Is there anybody bet down real low, Scott? Let me look. No, the, um, Cinnabunny is three to one. So is, this is my time. So it's pretty spread out. So, I mean, if you, this is one where you might get away with spreading uh, out without getting killed, even if the favorite wins, right? which is what you don't want to do in the pick five is spread in a race where the a heavy favorite wins. That's just not a good way to play. All right, let's move to the third leg. It's the 10th race, the WL McKnight stakes grade three. It's a mile and a half on turf for four-year-olds and up running for a purse of 150,000. And Mr. National Champ, what did you think here? Wow, I can't believe it. Another marathon. What are they doing? It's amazing. You know, I, I like it actually, but uh, not not too often you see uh, these long races. So to see three of them carded uh, tomorrow is great. Here, I like a few to run big. Uh, my top choice will be number one, Doswell. He ran a bag up, bang up second to large and, and beat breaking the rules. And these two horses are now both running in the Pegasus turf race later. So this horse runs okay at Gulfstream and his last three starts has produced 90 plus buyers. So he would be my top choice and uh, I'll come back to me later because I have a few more. <laughs> okay, Doswell, he would four, be number one. Four to one, on seven to one morning line, four to one on Sport of Kings. Chris, what did you think? Well, this is the race that I'm the most excited about on the day, for sure. Um, this is my pod pick of the week. Sometimes these horses run well at big prices. Sometimes they run up the track, so be forewarned. But I really, really like the three Miranake, Miranake I think is how you say it. And um, uh, this horse I played 
on Breeders' Cup weekend, and it was went off at 30 to one and almost won. It would have won except Rocketry refound his past form and just rocketed by late. But at the head of the lane, I thought I was going to hit the winner at 30 to one in here. This horse loves the longer distances. Um, it, if you watch, and I, I, we talked to another South American horse. Um, I like to go back and watch these replays because most people don't. And I just like listening to the announcers and, and watching these races where they have 23 horse fields in their grade one races, which this horse faced in the Carlos Pellegrini International. It's a grade one. I think it's like the biggest race of the year in Argentina. I'm not sure about that. It's certainly one of the biggest. 23 horses. This horse had an impossible trip. At the head of the lane, it was just completely buried. Um, this is at a mile and a half on the turf, which is exactly what they're running today. And then finally it got loose. And luckily there's a long stretch and it just came flying late. It didn't win. It ran second, but it, it, it ran in a winning race in a 23 horse field in the biggest race of the year at a mile and a half on the turf. And in Argentina, they, they don't run on Lasix. And we haven't talked about that yet, but these older horses, a lot of them are going to be running without Lasix for the first time in their career. And here's a horse you know can run without it and has, has run really big races before without it. Um, and its U.S. form isn't bad. I'll just throw out the last race going nine furlongs, again, shorter than this horse wants to go at Aqueduct in the wintertime. To me, if horses run good or bad at Aqueduct in the wintertime, I don't really put much stock in the, that performance going forward at another track. So, um, you know, this horse is... 30 to one on the morning line. I think it has a legitimate chance to win. It's not like a, a stab in the dark. I think if it runs its race, it can win. Gets a good post, a pretty good rider. It has tactical speed, um, just a lot to like at a big, big price. So for me, it's three Miranyake is the, um, the horse I'm really interested in on the, on the entire card. This is the horse that really caught my eye. I like it. I like it. Uh, she, Me too. Ha, yeah. he, ha, he oh. hasn't won on turf, but, but that's a good point. I he got second in the 23 horse field as, as uh, you know, in, in, in a grade one group one, that's worth a quarter million dollars in at the distance. So, so I certainly, you know, I think now I have to include that horse, even though it wasn't originally on my list. And the reason is because when I watched his races, I watched the dirt races because I was handicapping. I didn't have time to watch replays for today, uh, for very many anyway. And I, when I watched, I have like a trip note on the National, which is November 9th, but on dirt. And, and that was a very good, um, that was a very good race. So, so I would, I would, I, I think that I would have to add the, especially since it's your pod pick of the week. <laughs> Now uh, I agree with that. Yeah. If he can run as as if he can even run close to his dirt top, and even if he runs like his turf top, he could win this race. And without Lasix, I mean, don't uh, that's not a, a killer mm -hmm. uh, for these horses. But I mean, it's an unknown with everybody else. This horse, you know, can excel without the juice. So I think that's not trivial. Yeah, I mean it. Well, mm -hmm. sorry. Now, it should just be noted that his best race in the U.S., he was on Lasix, just, you know, as an aside. But 
but I, I call that a wake up race. So I, you know, handicapping the Lasix is, is, is probably smart. It's, it's kind of hard for me to do because I've got so many other angles. Um, but yeah, he, he was on Lasix for that big race at Keeneland. But look who, uh, I, I had marks on this horse. Uh, I actually, I didn't put him in, but, uh, now Chris talking about, he's definitely going in. He's, they, they had to think a lot of this horse when they brought him, they took him to the Pacific classic grade one max, maximum security. And then Mr. Freeze is in the big race later. And I remember that race now, uh, at, uh, Keeneland, this horse looked like an easy winner. Uh, rocketry came from the clouds. So, uh, and I like the fact Wesley Ward couldn't do nothing with it. They give it back to this lady, Maria Munoz. And Edgar Zayas is another jockey right now who's on fire. Uh, he's right up there, uh, the leading jockey here at Gulfstream. And at 30 to 1, ooh, that gets me excited. I don't know how I missed that. But yeah, definitely. A, definitely. Uh, you win the contest, Chris, with that one. <laughs> All right, so uh, so I actually haven't made my my pick yet, but I will do it now. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's what a Chris Pod pick of the week does to us. I guess it's off track. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so I actually, and I w want to kind of go deep in this race, and and now I'm just a little deeper with Mirnyake, but my top pick is Tide of the Sea. He's stoutly bred. He keeps on improving, and he has a win on the lead at 12 furlongs. So he's probably going to get a nice trip. And Michael Maker won this race last year. So so that's a horse I would definitely use. Uh, I agree with you, Ray, on Doswell. He's got uh, speed to get a good trip, and he's got a nice post. Succeed and surpass is kind of circling back to a top that would get him close versus this bunch. And uh, I would include him. And I would also, I'll ask you guys what you think about this. Sir Anthony has back numbers on dirt and he just ran a number that's not even close to those and won the two mile race at Gulfstream. I think he has to be used because if he even improves off that and we know he's capable of it, it's just a question of whether he can do it on turf. Seems to me like he has to be used to. I agree. That's my second choice, Sir Anthony. And actually, uh, I have I have looked at my Black Magic uh, value capper, and uh, it uh, makes uh, Sir Anthony uh, the long shot play of the race. But uh, watching the replay of that horse, uh, this horse uh, really impressive. He was in the five path most of the way, and uh, he just kept plugging along there at the back in mid pack, I guess. And and then when they uh, got to the turn for uh, the top of the stretch, he just made a nice move and he just kept going. Uh, he looked really impressive winning that two mile race. Now, I don't know, cut back to a mile and a half, and they took him back to Hawthorne, gave him two good works keep him fresh. So yeah, definitely Scott, I uh, definitely would be using him. Yeah. The ones you mentioned, Scott, I much prefer Sir Anthony over the others that you, you mentioned. I, I agree. He, he's one that looks like the longer they go, the better he likes it. And um, he's pretty consistent 
last year. He wasn't very good this year, but it looks like he might have, you know, awoke up at Gulfstream. And if you look back at he he loves Gulfstream. His his when they shipped out to Gulfstream last year, he really improved. So, you know, I think he's certainly a threat at a price. You know, after Miranyake of the price horses, Sir Anthony is definitely the one I, I, I like um, above the others. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I just I, have I'm one other I, I'd like to mention just uh, uh, because it's uh, close to my heart. This horse here is a, another woodbine horse. So I've seen like a lot of woodbine horses today, but the six, uh, Sir Sahib. Uh, he ran uh, against a horse later on that I really like, uh, say the word, and uh, he come back with a hundred buyer, and he's owned uh, uh, by my man Frank Stronic, and as a result of me meeting with Frank four years ago, I gave him this idea of uh, he should, he's got the the best, uh, most expensive race the pegasus uh in the world that we should have uh the biggest betting championship uh so this is how we came up with the pegasus world cup betting championship which is what we're uh all about tomorrow so uh this horse uh will definitely be on my uh uh pick five ticket okay sir sahib and uh, chris you had another one well, yeah, I mean, it's not a price horse, but I've always been a Channel Cat fan. I think the last was strictly a prep to go longer. This horse likes the longer distances. The thing I don't like is is the post. Uh, you don't want to get caught wide around three turns in any race. Um, but Corey Lannery is one of the jockeys that bet really values saving ground. So I'm thinking now he'll make an attempt to try not to get hung wide um, on every turn. And if he can somehow get a decent position and avoid a real wide trip, you know, Channel Cat to me, is, along with Sadler Joy, are the class horses that I've always thought Channel Cat was better of the two. So I, I would I would include Channel Cat as well. Um, but for me, Miranyake is is the horse I'm really excited about. And if I could catch Miranyake and then in and maybe in verticals with Sir Anthony and Channel Cat, um, I'll be pretty happy. Um, on the day, I think I'll end up doing pretty well. For anybody considering Channel Cat, a couple of negatives. Uh, first, that the trainer is a, really a dirt trainer. It's not like he hasn't won on the turf, but he's got a 109 ROI on the turf. The other thing is that he's also not a marathon trainer. Uh, he's 0 for 22 with horses going 10 furlongs or more. Um, so add that on top of the posts and I'm not too worried about him, but, uh, he, he does look like, you know, he does look like he can run a good number. It's just going to be, it's gonna be tough for him to win. Yeah. The trainer change in the posts are the questions. Uh, certainly the distance, you know, with this horse, isn't going to be an issue. I mean, he's always preferred longer distances. He's bred to, you know, English channel kittens joy. And this horse is all about a mile and a half. So I don't think that'll be a problem. But, you know, and Sisterston's been a pretty good trainer. It's not like he hasn't done well, but it is a, a new new barn. But that last race certainly looked like a prep, and um, I'd expect to see improvement in here. But no horse, or it's really hard to win if you're caught wide all the way around three turns. And But like I said, Corey Lannery 
is one of the probably the trainers other than a, maybe a few others, maybe IRAD RTs that are value saving ground, really value saving ground. So I, I expect him to try to get over. And if he can, he'll be tough, I think. Let's move to the 11th. It's the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational, grade one, mile and three sixteenths on turf. First of all, $1 million, four-year-olds and up. And Chris, I think it is your turn to start. Well, this is one where I, um, first of all, this field for a million dollars, grade one, is pretty weak. There's not really any grade one horses in here uh, that I can see. But I, I really do like a horse in here, um, and that's the eight horse, another twist of fate. I've always been a fan of this horse. I was questioning them putting it on the turf two races back because I thought it was sitting on a big race and I didn't know how it would handle the turf. Um, I, I was hoping they'd put it on the dirt. Uh, the horse didn't run that well from a finishing standpoint, but based on the way the race unfolded, that race was a lot better than it looked two races back. So I, I was, I thought, well, maybe this horse showed me it can't handle turf and it ran really big in the last race. And I just think it's the best horse in the race. And it has shown me to me that it can run on turf, which isn't surprising given the, the breeding by Scat Daddy, that it can run on both dirt and turf. I think it has tactical speed, good trainer, good rider. I think it's the best horse and it's not the favorite. So anytime I can find a horse, I think kind of stands out in the field. That's not the favorite. Um, I'm, probably going to single that horse in the pick five if I play it. So for me, it's eight. Another twist of fate is the play in this race. Hey, Scott, and I have a question Scott? for you. Oh, sorry, Chris. No, I think we might have lost Scott again. He might have been on mute. <laughs> but go I'm ahead, Joe Ray. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm I, not <laughs> used to going on mute. Uh, <laughs> So I, yeah, the, we were wondering I, where I, you're going, eh? I was, I was, yeah, I was yapping, and you were interrupting me, right? Like, oh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> but I have a question for you, since you're the stat man. Can you uh, look up Peter Miller uh, at Gulfstream how he does for me? I can look. I can look him up. Um, and so I don't have you know, while, while, while you're talking, I'll look him up. But um, what what mm -hmm. I was saying, what, what I was saying, uh, my segue from from Chris to you was that another twist of fate is four for five on uh, turf and synthetic. And uh, I, I think he, that's clearly his preferred this uh, preferred surfaces, turf and synthetic. Um, what did you think in this race uh, while I look up your uh, Peter Miller stat? Well, I see Pletcher has three horses in here, and he's probably going to have uh, the, the the top two choices would be, I think, the five and the six. And uh, I think the eight will be probably bet lower because Peter Miller, Rosario. So, uh, like I said, I always try to beat these horses. So I, I, I don't have the eight on my ticket because I, I just thought Peter Miller just doesn't do well when he comes to Gulfstream. As I loved that horse last year, Mo Forza, and I know it's only one race, one horse, but uh, 
they're still looking for him. Uh, I just, I love that horse, and he just didn't run. His name should have been No Forza. Alpha one. <laughs> yeah, No Forza is right. So, anyways, uh, I thought out of the three Pletchers, I thought uh, for value, I thought the 12. Uh, he's got the worst post, but he, he shows he can close off fast, he can close off slow, and I'll definitely be putting him on my ticket. I I think right now my number one pick would be the 11, say the word. He shows 100-plus buyers his last two with a grade one win at Woodbine. A great trainer and great jockey who are coming here with only one thing on their mind, and that is win. I also get, uh, that would be my number one. Uh, he won the grade one at uh, Woodbine, and uh, this is a second start for uh, Bill D'Amato. And if he traveled well from the West Coast, I think uh, he'll be in with a, a good shot here. Okay, well, just uh, I looked it up, and Peter Miller is one for five at Gulfstream. With he won at, uh, on around this time last year with Texas Wedge at nine to two, and I certainly don't think that. Shipping is an issue for Peter Miller. He he ships just fine to plenty of places, and his horses run well. So they they he knows how to ship horses. Um, I also really like that horse, and you know he's just he, he was supposed to run well on turf. I think the reason I didn't like him on the race that we did on the pod was because uh, he was going to be a low price, and um, you know there were too many question marks for him to be the low price, but. And I haven't watched the replay since uh, of the of the race that he won since then, but wow! I mean, it, he he just looks like he loves the turf. He loves he's he's always been fast. He's poised to run another huge race. So so I'm inclined to single the horse, and um, you know that that's where I can get some value because he's six to one on Sport of Kings. He's probably going to be a you know probably in the five to one range. And if you can get a, get away with a five to one single, I uh, think you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I'll, I'll share that. I just that. looked up, I I looked up Peter Miller shipping, uh, and he's at twenty one percent, just like he is overall. His stats are pretty much the same, shipping as they are um, running locally. But yeah, you know, I, the only thing I disagree with you on Scott is I think another twist of fate is just as good or better on dirt as he is on turf just on the thing about uh there's a lot more good dirt horses than there are turf horses so if you're equally good on both surfaces you're probably better off running on turf just because it's easier to win um but i think he's just as fast on either he, he he's run some really big races on dirt as All right, well, well so they're not running on dirt here so it doesn't matter he's one for five on dirt but it, it's 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 not material to the discussion well, it might be going forward, um, depending on what happens in this race. And it is in terms of evaluating his form, um, I think, even for well, this race. Yeah, hey, I said he was fast on dirt, too. I just think he's better on turf. That's all. All right. <laughs> the one, uh, we can disagree the one, on that. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and uh, next time he runs on dirt, um, we'll have, you know, we'll we'll be able to duke it out on that one. <laughs> 
Uh, any other horses that you guys are interested in in this race? I have a couple since uh, I'm going to, you know, have to spread a bit trying to beat these uh, two Fletcher favorites and your Miller horse. I I, I have a, a special thing in my heart for this horse who I've I've bet many many times over the years and I've actually cashed some nice uh, tickets on him. And that is the one horse Nick shares. I, I'm, I'm, you know, he, he's going to get the perfect trip. He ran right behind another twist of fate last time. And uh, you'll get the price on him. And, uh, you know, he's just a, an old warrior that, uh, you know, he just might pop, come up and uh, surprise everyone. And I think the four horse, uh, since they've stretched them out, uh he is starting to to show that uh he can win he come up with a nice 101 buyer last time at aqueduct and uh yeah so those uh would be my uh my three horses that uh i'll probably have to put the eight in because you guys uh, are going to single them and uh but uh you know i would definitely be using the one four and the eleven on my ticket and possibly the 12. So, and I'll be sitting outside the sport of Kings tomorrow. If anybody wants to bring some money and uh, uh, help me out on this uh, $3,000 pick five ticket, I'm going to play. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to play a $3,000 pick five, but the money happens to fall on the table. Who knows? So, anyways. Well, there's one, there are a couple other horses that I think have a slight chance here. And um, so I don't know if I'm going to single another twist of fate, but uh, I, I need to do more research. And one of them is uh, I'm going to look at the DRF workout report on aquaphobia because I don't, I can't, I can't sniff it out by looking at the, 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 the times of the works, but he has a shot at a price. He's circling back to a number that can win. When he won the United Nations, he won. That was that was a mile and three eighths. He's coming back to that number, circling back to that number. He's an eight year old, but he hasn't run like a you know and a sort of a uh, an explosive race that is that that could sort of do damage to him. So so I think he's got a shot. And uh, I was pretty impressed with Largent. I just saw that race, and um, he looked really good. He kind of had a slingshot trip where he overtook breaking the rules, made a big move and Largent made an outside move outside of him and then, and then dominated. He just looked like, he looked like a big old horse. He galloped out huge breaking the rules did not. Um, he's four for five at Gulfstream. So I, I think he might just be, might just be hitting his stride and it could run another peak race. So, so I would, I'm going to consider looking at uh, adding uh, Aquaphobia and Largent to my tickets. Yeah, I I will just single another twist of fate if I play this race or just single them in doubles if I'm playing other races, maybe even play them to win depending on how they bet it. But I agree that after him, it's pretty even and probably the edge would go to all three of the Fletcher horses. I mean, Ray mentioned social paranoia the post is that his concern large and good colonel liam's got a lot of upside and looked really good in his last which was 
kind of setting him up for this. So, you know, those three all look capable of winning. And the two um, maker horses are probably the others are probably both like a little longer than this. But Aquaphobia that Scott mentioned, and even nine cross border, you know, kind of fit. So if another twi- twist of fate doesn't kind of boss the field, then it's pretty wide open. But, um, you know, it seems like the Pletcher and Maker aren't are the way to go there a- after him. The last race of our pick five is the Pegasus World Cup Invitational, grade one, mile and an eighth on dirt, purse of three million, four-year-olds and up. Ray, where did you land here? Well, to me, this is one of the weakest Pegasus fields they've had since the beginning of uh, the Pegasus racing. But, uh, you know, a lot of the horses have retired and uh, gone on the stud duties, uh, the good ones this year. So, uh, of the 12 horses, only three have won a grade one, Nick's Go, Code of Honor, and Math Wizard. Uh, Nick's Go is a now horse, having run his last three with 100-plus buyers for Brad Cox. If he gets his own way, he'll be very tough to beat. That said, I'm hoping for an early speed duel to soften him up. If this happens, I will make my top pick. Number one, Sleepy Eyes Todd. This horse can sit off as it has shown in his last two starts. Just shouldn't be a problem. And I like that Jose Ortiz has taken them out. And I have a couple others. I'll come back to me later. Sleepy Eyes Todd, uh, on a bit of a winning streak. Chris, where did you land? Well, I mean, you have to start the discussion with Nick's go. He's the horse that, that um, you know, has some real positives and some, you know, potential negatives. And the positives are, since joining Brad Cox, the horse has been just sensational. And um, he looks like the only speed. I mean, Ray said he hopes someone's going to go with him, but I don't see anybody in here that could, even if they wanted to. And something to keep in mind in this race is it's a $3 million purse, which means you get like a, I don't know, million dollars or $500,000 to run second. And I don't think anybody's going to want to like go out and duel with Nick's go knowing that it will probably destroy, you know, they'll probably run off the board if they try to run with him. They're probably more likely to be happy to stock and hope he comes back. And if he doesn't, they'd be happy to run second or third with this purse. So I just don't see any way Nick's go doesn't get loose. And, you know, if he runs this race and he gets loose, it, no one's going to come close to him. So that's that's the positive side of him. You know, the negative other than the price are he's run a couple of really big races in a row and it's really hard to string together three of these kind of races. I mean, even the really good horses with the move up trainers like Brad Cox can struggle to get that third big race. He has had some time. He does seem to be training well since, but a lot of times, even if they train well, they don't run well under that stress. The stress you have in a race is different than what you have in the morning. So you know, that's a negative. The other negative, he's never, you know, this distance is a stretch for him, I think. Um, so, you know, that's the other possible negative. And the third one, and I'll bring this LASIK thing up again. Um, you know, they're all going to run a little bit slower without LASIK because I, I think just because of weight loss. But some of them actually do bleed some to different degrees. And, 
Nick's go, if you just kind of look at his line, he looks like the kind of horse that might be a bit of a bleeder. And so the no Lasix might have a bigger impact on him than some of the other horses. That's just a total guess because we don't have any transparency. We have no idea if he ever bled before. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he's mm -hmm. bled given his line. And so there are some negatives. Uh, but that being said, he's definitely the horse to beat. So um, I my horse, I'm going to play. If he doesn't win, if he doesn't run his race, then to me, like Ray said, it's really wide open. None of these horses are, are standouts. So I'm going to go for a big price. Um, and I, that's the 12 horse math wizard. One of the three grade one winners in the race, I think, uh, probably gets overlooked in here. Um, we talked about this before on the pod, his best races were without blinkers as a three-year-old for some reason, as a four-year-old, they decided that he needed blinkers and he never really ran that well. And they finally took the blinkers off in his last start. Fortunately, he kind of got left at the gate. And I think that was kind of a prep for this anyway. Um, but he did run an improved race over what he'd been doing in the summertime. Now he gets um, his second start with the blinkers back off. And, you know, he'll be coming from far back. So, you know, hopefully some of you know, the horses will be getting tired late. And I think he can be rolling. The post isn't good, but his running style, I think, kind of negates the post. He's not going to have – they can move over to the rail if they want to because he's going to be back at the pack. I don't think anybody will be back there with him, but other than maybe Code of Honor, the 10 horse. So, you know, this is kind of a long shot. Uh, but to me, it's pretty wide open if Nick's go doesn't win. So now I'll go with Math Wizard and maybe save underneath Nick's go if I play the verticals. Um, but that horse could be 30 to 1, 40 to 1 at post time. So the 12, Math Wizard. Plus, I like the name. Uh, blinkers off, second off a layoff, rolling <laughs> late. Uh, yeah. Maybe he gets it done. You are a math guy. And if Math Wizard wins tomorrow, you're going to be, you will be a Math Wizard as well. <laughs> uh, I actually, I like, I really like the look of his line. And, and uh, thank you for reminding me uh, that they put blinkers back on in that last race. It doesn't look like that impressive, but as a late three-year-old, a late, late four-year-old who had uh, a bunch of good races with the blinkers, as a three-year-old that weren't, you know, the, the, his last race was a little better than anything he had run before a small top. And, uh, he's clearly got upside and we know the trainer can do well. So, so I, I, I would definitely use that horse. Uh, I, <laughs> I was a little behind on my handicapping due to various things. So I was kind of lost coming into this race. I Dude, I do like the way Tax looked in his last race. He kind of looked like he was back to his usual self, and he looked like a beast galloping out. He, you know, just he just looked like a beast. I mean, he the horse looked like a beast, and um, the trainer is just sensational. He's hitting at forty percent at Gulfstream, and Tax had his best workout ever, his fastest workout ever. It was a forty-six and two bullet. I think it was a bullet. Uh, yep. since that last race. So I'd have a hard time not using tax and we know he doesn't have to have the lead. 
he did uh, he did help probably get a racing flow downgrade for his last race because it was a speed bias track according to them. Um, I I kind of look at it like, hey, he couldn't help but but win that race even if there was a speed bias like he was going to win it and if there wasn't a speed bias maybe he wouldn't have won it by six lengths he would have won it by three, so so I would definitely use tax and um, I I think the math wizards a a use too because I just I can't trust that next go I mean I, just two gigantic races it's just you know maybe maybe he does do it a third time but that's a good point about the Lasix Chris so so um you know he 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 reacted to big efforts before in in his past he just didn't in those last two races and um now that he won't have Lasix that could have an effect Ray anything else you want to jump in with uh-oh, well, might be you know, I kind of agree with you on uh, tax. Uh, I give him a hard look. I got a lot of marks on him. And, and in, this ra- in this race last year, he was uh, second choice, four to one. Unfortunately, he never got out of the gate. He was done at the start of the race. So uh, definitely this horse uh, can be there. <clears throat> but I come up with a, a, a horse that I think is an up-and-comer. And... Uh, what you said earlier, Chris, is that you probably would never have this horse on your ticket because you don't like to bet Dale Romans, and Dale Romans has two horses in here. And uh, I kind of like the two. Uh, He's lightly raced, up-and-comer. His sire, Curlin, loved routing, and his last two stake tries were very, very good. Uh, You you have to watch the replays on this horse. It looks like he was backing up. I actually thought he was coming on uh, that last race against uh, Bodie Express and Code of Honor. Uh, he was on the rail. He was jammed in. And also the, the race before, uh, he, was on, he was on the rail again. So maybe Lannery will have him positioned in the right spot and uh, maybe be able to get this horse to the outside in the stretch and make a big run. And he's come back. Uh, with some really good works and uh you know i i don't mind uh you know i know dale romans is having a little rough meat right now but uh i just uh just thought as a price uh we could uh maybe get something with this one i'm a bit confused uh about this with this race with number 10 uh, for the li- I, I just don't know why JR That's is code of honor. Source. Code of honor, right? Yeah, code of honor number ten. I, I just I have no clue why JR isn't back on this horse. No disrespect to Tyler, he's a, he's going to be a Hall of Famer down the road too. Oh, because but, he uh, uh, he know, committed to uh, he committed to tis the law, so they found another jockey for code of honor, but then tis the law scrat retired. That, that's why JR is not on it. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. So he took uh, Romans was looking for somebody. Why not take Jr? Okay, no, that makes sense. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I just didn't know why Jr wasn't on him. So, yeah, that makes sense because Tizawa was supposed to uh, be running in this, wasn't he? Yeah. That's it. Good. Carsoni's up on you know, the jockey scuttlebutt. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> you know, it's one of the one of the. Yeah. <laughs> 
I actually I'm never up on the scuttlebutt, but I do know that piece of scuttlebutt. I do remember because well, you know it was good. kind of controversial, right? They took Manny Franco off, and 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 you know like why did John Johnny V decide to say yeah? I you know it must have some kind of negative reflection on Code of Honor. Unless you know they well, weren't yeah, planning on unless yeah. they weren't planning on pointing code of honor to that race, and maybe he got permission. Like, yeah. hey, do you mind if I commit? Are you gonna? You know, he might have said to Shug, "Hey, uh, I'm thinking about. I've been offered the mount on Tis a lot, and I I don't want to take it if code of honor is going to run in the Pegasus." And maybe Shug said, "We're not going to run in the Pegasus," and then they changed their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we don't know that for sure, but that is uh, he didn't certainly didn't just. Take it, take off for the Roman's horse. Okay, yeah, well, that took, makes uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, for me though, uh, at, at their point in their careers right now, I think it's an upgrade to go from Velasquez to Gaffleone myself. So <laughs> that might be controversial, but I, I I would I I would think that that might be help Code of Honor and Code of Honor definitely fits in here. Um, there's no doubt. You know, tax. I agree. Tax and Code of Honor seem like the class horses. If Nixco doesn't, you know, if Nixco clears early and runs his race, they're probably not going to beat him. But those are the two most likely to run him down, probably um, if he if he does falter. The the other and and, and Ray, you know, watch see what uh, what Cur- Sally's curling or whatever um, how she runs in that prior race. So maybe Romans will have a good day. Um, I just yeah. have no luck mm-hmm. playing his horses outside Kentucky. Um, I, they typically don't run as well as I anticipate, so I'm always biased against them. But that doesn't mean he can't win, for sure. So I actually mm-hmm. think his other horse, Mr. Freeze, is more interesting. Um, for one thing, he's run much faster races in the past. But more importantly, his best race of his life was at Gulfstream in this race without Lasix. And again, I don't want to keep harping on this Lasix thing. But um, I think it could have a factor in these races where all these older horses suddenly are taken off LASIK. So, you know, Mr. Freeze, that question's gone away. You know he can run without it. He gets a pretty good rider. I mean, Johnny Velasquez can still ride. I'm not saying he can. I'm just saying I, Tyler Gaffleone's really, you know, moved up to be one of the top riders, I think, now. Um, but Mr. Freeze, the post doesn't help him, but he has tactical speed and a smart rider. Maybe he can work a trip. But you know he can run without Lasix. You know he likes Gulfstream. And you know he can pop a big race. Um, so uh, at 15 to 1 on the morning line, that's certainly a and, – and this field where there's nothing stands out really if Nick's go doesn't, you know, run as another monster race. It's wide open. You know, why couldn't Mr. Freeze be the horse that pulls the upset? You know, there's no reason why it couldn't be him. All right, so let me, th- to think about yeah, it. me th- sure. throw in one more. Just to confuse the issue. <laughs> I, I have one here too. I'm I curious. haven't watched. I have not watched the race, but Last Judgment ran a huge number in his last race without lacing, and maybe that was the key. Maybe that was the. You know, I noticed going into the last race. Uh, well, I handicapped the last race, and I cried who I was going to go with. I ended out um, not going with Last Judgment. But I noticed that his workouts were sparkling going in uh, uh, right after the claim. Yeah. So going into two races ago, his workouts were really good. 
And it looked like he was bumped at the start in his last race. And he went off at five to two in that race last week. I I think he could, you know, he could just be on right now. And uh, I would not, I would not play this pick five without including last judgment. No, well, I agree. That's I, a good I, that was the horse I was going to, I was going to mention because here's a horse that you look at and you say, well, geez, he just ran last Saturday. You know, Maker, what's he doing? Well, here's another horse that just goes to the front. Mr. Freeze goes to the front. Can they soften up Nick's go? That's, he only knows to go to the front. But this horse loves Gulfstream. Mike Maker, you, you never you know, he, he pulls them off all the time. And I, there was a horse, I think Navarro had years ago that uh at saratoga he ran him one week and the next week he put him in a stake race the horse went for fun and paid like 70 bucks i can't remember the name of the horse but this is uh this thing just like it's like a wow 103 buyer uh i think scott you know if you're playing tries or supers or uh bets like that this horse has to be included yeah, and Maker does pretty well know, wheeling him back like that. You know, that wasn't the mm-hmm. plan clearly, um, but I, I think somebody scratched out, and so they were able to get into the field. But yeah, I mean, he he can wheel back, and it really I think it's more Maker than not. The the fact he's ran well without Lasix is really good, but I think it's just it was a set, second off a layoff, third start for Maker, and Maker, you know, he's done this a million times. The horses move up for him, and. and not necessarily the first start mm-hmm. after the claim, but second, third, fourth, they just keep getting better. Yeah, I mean, this horse... Yeah, and he uh, ran without Lasix, uh, Scott, like you said, because it was a stake race. All stake races down here now, you can't use Lasix. So, you know, yeah. this horse uh, ran better without it. This is one of those well-meant pletchers that won at Gulfstream as a three-year-old. Oh, no, I guess it was... Uh, yeah, he won, he won as a three-year-old. And then they ship him to Oaklawn, and he bossed that field. And you know, he sort of looked like a horse that could be a Derby contender. I'm not sure what happened. They ended up running him in the Pat Day Mile, and then he just really didn't develop. And I I don't know the case. I don't know um, what. I guess he was claimed. So yeah, he ended up being claimed. I kind of gave up on him and left him as a four, uh, you know for lost him for forty thousand, and then Maker takes him for sixty two thousand two two races later uh, you know this is the kind of horse that uh, he cost three hundred thousand as a two-year-old there's there's clearly some talent there and uh, that last race proved it and he can run another one just you know he's had seven days to recover <laughs> yeah and the other thing they, they started sprinting him for some reason not sure why um, and Maker, you know, he's always about stretching him out. So it's not surprising that, um, you know, when they stretched him out, Maker stretched him out is when he pops the big race. The question is, you know, can he, can he maintain that form for two races in a row off the short rest? Maker does pretty well, but still it's kind of hard. You know, that was a big, big effort for that horse. So, uh, you know, that's the big question mark. Uh, can he hold it together for another big race, you know, a week later? Well, we'll find out. At uh, he's twenty to one morning line, and yeah, uh, that's why that's why you want to use him because that you know where 
it, when you have that question, can they hold together for another big race? It's always easier to go for it when they're 20 to one than when they're two to one. Right. So. And uh, on Sport of Kings odds, he is 53 to one. <laughs> yeah. Cause sheep sheets players won't play him. They absolutely won't play him. Um, you know, the people that are kind of dogmatic about the way they play the sheets, they never play a horse off a big effort wheel back a week later. Um, and I, I, to me, those are just as likely to run well as if they run back three weeks later. Um, I haven't found any difference in the likelihood to run a good race. But for sheets players, you know, that's like against their religion to do that. So that I think that that horse will be a pretty good price. Yeah, well, the good yeah. thing, guys, is there's no Bafford uh, that we have to worry about in this race. So well, what's even crazier is there's no Chad Brown. There's no Chad Brown in the turf race, which is pretty amazing. Anywhere, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I know he doesn't like the Gulfstream turf very much. You know, he runs them at Tampa Bay, and you know, I, I just don't think he likes the turf mm-hmm. course there very much. But, um, you know, that's, uh, that was real interesting. You know, you have that million-dollar turf race and no Chad Brown horse in it. That's a right, well, that's for sure. Yeah. Do, do you guys have any uh, plays? Did you get a look at the undercard? Uh, there's some other stakes. Yeah, I got a playback uh, from listening to you guys last week with Joe Corey on, and uh, you were handicapping, I think it was the grade three Louisiana, and Joe happened to mention this horse who I was looking at, and uh, I, I'm i trying to make a case for him, and Joe said uh, that uh, it's a horse that, uh, the Undertaker would uh, probably uh, come up with, and that was that horse called Imagi in Indimage. and uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's he's only running against performers, so you know he's uh, <laughs> he's probably one of the, the big chalks of the day. But I just thought, you know, they scratched him. Uh, he didn't run last Saturday at Fairgrounds, and they saw what was here. Unfortunately, he's got uh, the eight hole. I guess the eight hole at a mile shouldn't uh, shouldn't bother him. It's only a one turn race, so uh, I just thought this horse uh, is going in the right direction. So he might be a horse to back up with performer. I didn't like the way performer ran his last start at, uh, I know it was in the slop at uh, Aqueduct, but uh, at a price, I'd uh, I'd look at uh, putting a few bob on him. Yeah, I actually looked at that same race because performer's in it, and I think that performer's the most overrated horse in training. He gets bet off the board mm-hmm. every time. He's never really run a fast race. I don't think he had much of an excuse. His last one, he's bred to love the slop. He'd won in the slop before. He broke slowly, and any time a horse breaks slowly in a stakes race, um, a highly touted one, to me, that's a signal that it's not, it's it's going the wrong way. And the fact, you know, before that race, Shug was talking about running this horse in the Pegasus, and now he's got it in a $100,000 undercard race. He's not even running it in the Pegasus. Uh, to me, there's red flags all over the place on the one performer in that mm-hmm. fourth race at Gulfstream. So I want to beat that horse. And your horse in Dimage, uh, that's an interesting one. The one I like the most, and there's several in here I think that could beat performer, 
though I liked the three chivalry who's a horse I've I've played before and probably picked on the pod at some point in the last year um, to me that horse it looks like it's sitting on a really good race and it looks like lone speed doesn't look like there's anybody that can go with it early so you know to me a horse that's sitting on a good race and could clear and 12 to 1 on the morning line against what I think is a really over likely to be over bet favorite I, I like that race quite a bit so I'm my opinions are anti-performer and pro number three shivery and I'll I mean maybe your horse and some others are also likely to be performer this is one where I'm going to play you know performer to be off the board and 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 try to really um kill the race with shivery on top well I did handicap. I, I I wouldn't normally make a pick in this race because it's not like a, a, it's not something that gets me too excited. But I like Hey Cal here. Hi Cal here. He's uh, he's not nine to two morning lines. That looks kind of bad, but uh, his numbers are good. He was always fast, and this is second time Pletcher. Uh, he's eight to one on the Sport of Kings Pegasus Finals contest. That's the horse I'm interested in. I, I agree with you. I like him. But the only thing mm-hmm. in terms of the race shape, it looks to me like there's no speed and Shibari get, gets an easy lead where High Cal kind of needs a pace to run at it. It's sort of a come from the clouds type. So that was why I, I and plus the price is much better on Shibari. But I agree with you. High Cal looks second off the layoff for Pletcher. Um, should run a, a big race in here, I think. Well, I guess, you know, we, we've covered every stake except for the seventh. So maybe you guys went to the second, <laughs> seventh. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, haven't what, done it yet. Oh, you haven't I haven't got okay. to that race yet. Okay. No, I, I haven't I done it. But you it. guys give me, uh, you guys can give me your picks and I won't have to do it. That'd be great. All right. Did you, I did. Did you look at it, Scott? I did, but I, I um, I'm looking to yeah. see who I liked. Okay, while you're looking, I, I thought the three-horse Zafel st- stands out in here, but she's coming off a layoff, although her she's been training absolutely lights out. I mean, her workouts are really sensational. So, to me, if she runs to her works, she's the best horse in the race. She's 5-1, to one, I'm guessing, off of those workouts that she might get bet down. Um, but she looks pretty solid. I think the four horse vigilante's way is a terrible favorite and I'll be against that horse. So, uh, Zafel to me is really solid. And then I thought there were two horses at a price that were interesting as well. The two hour baby Ruth who, um, had a prep and it's going second off a layoff has tactical speed, good post, good rider. She'll get a good trip, you know, fits in the race, 10 to one morning line. And then the eight horse tuned, think has a lot of upside, has been really training well well, and seems to be rounding into good form and had some excuses in its last few races for Graham Motion. Really good closer, but it's Motion and Ortiz, so I'm guessing it might get bet down below that 8-1 to morning line. Um, so from a price standpoint, uh, to me, our baby Ruth is sort of the value long shot, but Zafel is clearly the horse to beat, I think. Um, and uh, it's all about what the price will be. She might be a better play as like a single in horizontals with before you can see the, the odds because I have a f- 
I'm afraid that when the odds boards open up for that race, you know, she'll be eight to five or something on the uh, on the board. Well, this race is wide open, and I can't guarantee that I'm going to bet it. But uh, just looking at the the field, the the horse I'm most interested in is the one Bell Laura, and this is that trainer, uh, the trainer of King Guillermo. With this jock, he's hitting at 25%. He's two for eight and has a 508 ROI. He's good off the layoff. It's been a little bit more than 90 days, and he hits at 21% with a $6.13 ROI. And the, the horse has numbers. The horse ran fast as a two-year-old and um, ran his two best races in the, la- in the last year as a four-year-old, and now has been freshened and I like it at a price, especially from the inside there. So there, we covered them all. All those things. Yeah. And if you can come up with a winner in the sixth race, you're, I'll tip my hat. <laughs> <laughs> There's no running lines. That one. They're all yeah. Uh, maidens. Yeah, they're all first-time starters. So yeah. Scott but, likes uh, those. I Those aren't my favorite one. kind of races. Yeah. I like them if it's turf, dirt, and not so much. But first time horses on the turf, I love a pat race, that kind of race. But anyways, no, it, it looks like there's nothing but money to be made tomorrow for uh, yeah. you guys both playing in the contest, uh, I hope. I am not Scott playing. Or... I'm not playing. Uh, I'm, I don't know yet. I tried to win my way in yesterday. I had to sort of pick and pray mm-hmm. it. Um, I had to put my bets in ahead of time and I, I played a horse I really liked at 10 to one on the morning line and the horse won and I hit the late double. Um, but unfortunately it turns out it got bet down to like five to two. And instead of like mm-hmm. having five or $6,000 and winning a, a Pegasus seat, I was finished like in eighth place or something. Um, I didn't, uh, yeah, other people had, one more so mm-hmm. unfortunately i didn't so I, I i gotta fork out the full uh six grand if i'm gonna play so i i gotta decide if i want to put up six thousand if my if i think yeah. uh enough yeah but so, you turned I, your well, bankroll a, and you got a shot today at uh on horse turning there's still one more uh out there and actually the feeder is probably going in five minutes but uh, yeah, unfortunately doing, i uh, I, uh, I don't have that option so, um, but I would. Oh, that's right. You could. can't. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I forgot. Yeah. So yeah. I've well, had, I tried regardless, if you don't play or if you do, yeah, that that would be uh, be a good day to make some money, regardless. Contest. So it'd be nice if uh, these horses you like, uh, Morangi hits. Well, you could win the contest right there. <laughs> no, boy. it's Miranyake, Miranyake, Miranyake. Well, that's what you'll be yelling if he comes down the stretch and takes the lead. So, I wish him the best. I'm, uh, I kind of had, like I said, I had some marks on that horse. So, he's right up my alley for odds. So, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, I'd like to thank our guest, Ray Arsenal. Ray, thanks for joining us this morning and handicapping. No, thanks, guys, for having me on, and uh, and I, I hope uh, everybody uh, that's listening uh, has a good day tomorrow and uh, make some money. All right, that will 
concludes show number 104 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the Pegasus late pick five. Good luck if you're in the Pegasus finals contest on Sport of Kings. And good luck if you're in the Pegasus World Cup handicapping contest tomorrow. Good luck to you, Ray. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Yeah.